In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Good morning, church. Good morning and welcome to Riverside. So glad that you are here today and you're with us today. I know it's summer and summer is a busy time, so thank you for being here. And if you're here for the first time or you know, the first time in a long time, we want to say welcome and welcome back. We really are glad that you are here and we hope that you will find what so many of us have found, that this place is a place that you can call home. That this family is a faith family you can belong to. And if you're searching for a group of people who are not perfect but are striving to live different um, in this world for Jesus, then, uh, man, we would love nothing more than to see you uh, make this uh, place uh, your home. So grateful that you are here today. As we've already said, we are in week two of a series that we are calling Spirituality, the Reality of the Spirit in You. And last week was was the first installment of this series. If you missed it, I do want to encourage you, as, as Rhonda mentioned earlier, to go back and to listen, to watch online, however you want to do that. But I would encourage you to go back. And I can say that because I didn't preach last Sunday. Uh, our friend Rick Ashley was here and did a fantastic job of kicking off this series about the Holy Spirit by, by talking about this question, who is the Holy Spirit, and looking at that question through the lens of Jesus. So what I want to ask you to do, because I know summer really is a busy time, and if you're like me, you're not going to be here every week. You're traveling, you're going to be in and out this summer, and that's okay, I totally get that. But I believe this series is really important for the future of our lives and the future of our church. I really do believe we're going to look back on these days and see these days as a turning point in the life of our faith family here as we strive to seek the Holy Spirit together, to be filled by and to be led by the Holy Spirit. So I do want to encourage you, even if you're not here, find a way to listen online. You can do that. Uh, you know that, that every week these messages are on our website. Uh, every week they are on Facebook. In fact, they're on Facebook Live right now. We are live. If you're watching online, welcome. So glad you're here. Hope you can actually be here uh, sometime soon with us. But we are thankful for all those that watch online every week. But also, as Rhonda mentioned, we just relaunched our podcast. And this may be the easiest way to be here even when you're not here. If you have a podcast app, go to, go to it, search Riverside Church of Christ, hit subscribe, and you'll be able to listen to those messages every single week. If you don't have that, find a teenager. They'll help you. Uh, they'll get you uh, your, a podcast app. They're free, and you can listen online. If you're like me, every week, if I'm driving, if I'm out exercising, doing yard work, housework, whatever, it's so easy for me to listen to audiobooks or podcasts and be able to take in so much good stuff. This is just one easy way you can be here even when you're not here. So I would encourage you to do that. Today we do want to continue this idea, this summer-long series, though, by talking about the Holy Spirit and spirituality. And if you're anything like me, you probably, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you've got more questions than answers. And I want to let you know that's okay. Our goal in this series, I probably need to say this, our goal in this series isn't to figure out the Holy Spirit, okay? Our goal in this series is not to learn all that we can learn, to study all that we can study, to, to nuance everything we can nuance, to get all the answers. There's not a test at the end that you have to pass to get into heaven. The goal of this series, the end goal is not to become smarter about the Holy Spirit because Jesus never called us to be smarter 
about the Holy Spirit, but he did call us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we are after truth in this series, but not just truth, spirit and truth. You know this, that to be filled just with knowledge leads to pride, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it leads to humility and it leads to being holy. And that's what we're after in this series. We want to turn to Scripture to learn and, and to see how the Spirit was at work and how it was revealed. Absolutely. But the end goal is not learning. The end goal is for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, to get to know the person who is the Holy Spirit. So I want to start with this question today, and I want you to think about this. What do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? What do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? Now, I want to talk about that question, but before I do, I want, I want to make a confession. And you may think I'm crazy, but just hear me out. Here's the confession I want to start with today. I don't believe in Wyoming. Before you judge me too harshly, I would ask you to hear me out. Personally, I've never been to Wyoming. And you know what else? I don't know anyone who has been to Wyoming. Some of you may say, well, you know me and I've been to Wyoming, but you know what? If I know you and you've been to Wyoming, you've never felt to share that information with me. You've held on to that. You haven't told me you've been to Wyoming. So why would I believe you now? You may say after we get done this morning, you may come up and find me and say, well, Corey, let me show you pictures of me in Wyoming. You know what? I can go outside and take a picture right now and tell you what was going to Wyoming. That doesn't prove anything. You may say, well, here's a picture of me next to the sign that says, welcome to Wyoming. I can go online and order a sign that says, welcome to Wyoming, have it shipped to my house, get in my front yard, put it right there, take a picture and say, hey, here's a picture of me with a sign that says, welcome to Wyoming. I'm sorry, that doesn't prove anything. And you know what else? I don't know what comes from Wyoming. I know what comes from Texas. We've got oil. We've got Texas longhorns. I know what comes from Texas. And I know what comes from Alabama. They've got cotton. Wisconsin, they've got cheese. Florida, they've got oranges. Georgia, they've got peaches. Arkansas, okay, I don't know what comes from Arkansas. <gasps> but you get my point. I don't know what comes from Wyoming, so why would I believe in Wyoming? All right, before you write me off as just being crazy and insane, let me ask this question again. What do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? You see, here's what I think. I think if you were honest with yourself, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I think if you were honest with yourself, if you call yourself this morning a follower of Jesus, that for many of us, what we've done is practically we have lived our lives separate and apart from the Holy Spirit. Why? For the very same reasons I'm up here talking about the fact that I don't believe in Wyoming. You've never been in a place where you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit. You don't know anyone who has had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And if someone were to tell you that they had an experience with the Holy Spirit, let's just be really honest for a moment. You would be very suspicious about that. Some of you know I like to, I like to go running. That's how I exercise. That's how I you know, just de-stress and, and get some work in. And uh, I love to run around the streets of Coppell and the parks of Coppell. And this past week, I was running down uh, over off Denton Tap. Uh, over there, there's a new, newer park over there, some new uh, softball fields, I think, and soccer fields. Some of you know you've been over there. You've seen this. It's a beautiful park. They've done a fantastic job. I'm running the trail, and I'm rounding, you know, all these huge, you know, beautiful soccer fields in all over 
They have these signs all over. You may have seen these signs. They have these signs that say, Game Fields, in big red letters, you know, no unauthorized practice or games. And these are like every five feet. I mean, they don't want you on these fields. They are trying to protect these fields. I get it. I know what they're trying to do. They want to protect the fields. Some of us grew up in churches where there was a sign at the front door, and it said church, or maybe it said Church of Christ. No unauthorized use of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that sign wasn't there physically, but you know that was the unspoken rule. Because we knew about churches that had the Holy Spirit, and we weren't too sure about that. We weren't too sure about that. And so in order to protect ourselves from just honestly what we didn't understand, we just decided to say, hey, there's going to be no unauthorized use of that in this place. And so practically speaking, a lot of us grew up in churches where the Holy Spirit wasn't welcome. Practically, a lot of us grew up following Jesus without the help or the presence or without knowing the Holy Spirit. So when I ask the question, what do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? Some of you are saying, I don't know what to think. And I get that. I've been there. I'm I'm there now sometimes. When I ask the question, what do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? Some of you don't know what to think because you grew up in churches where the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about. That's not something we, we, we really got into. We didn't really know much about all of that. Or you grew up in a, in a culture outside of the church, so you have no idea who the Holy Spirit is or, or what he's about or who he is or what he does. You don't know anything about it. And even if you did grow up in church, you went to Bible class or VBS, and, and you know how the, the, the Spirit came like a dove one time or appeared like fire one time or was like you know wind one time, and you, you know these stories, and, and you may even know some of the stories where it seemed like the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, did amazing, unimaginable, unexplainable, miraculous things. But the truth of the matter is, you have never had that kind of experience in your own personal life. And you've never had that kind of experience in any church you've ever been a part of. See, I think the problem is, is that we just don't know the Holy Spirit. And here's the point. Here's the, the principle. I think you get this. Just because I've never been to Wyoming, just because I don't know anyone that's been to Wyoming, just because I don't know what comes from Wyoming, that doesn't mean Wyoming doesn't exist. It just means I need to plan a trip and go to Wyoming. <laughs> just because you don't know the Holy Spirit, just because you've never had an experience with the Holy Spirit, Just because you don't know anyone who has had an experience with the Holy Spirit, just because you don't know what's going to happen if you did encounter the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. That just means that you need to plan a trip to get to know the Holy Spirit. And that's honestly what I want us to do as a church, as a faith family, this summer, is I want us to take a long walk with a person who is the Holy Spirit. I want us to take a long look at the person who is the Holy Spirit. Because I do believe the future of our lives and the future of this church depends on our willingness, our openness to being filled by and being led by the Holy Spirit. And we've said this before, and we'll say it again. We may say it every week. The the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, it's not a power to be used. He is a person to know. And I want to know the Holy Spirit. 
I want to be filled. I want to confess this before you now. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be loved by the Holy Spirit. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to be gifted by the Holy Spirit. I want to come to know the person who is the Holy Spirit. And I want the same for each and every one of you. The good news is that we can come to know the person who is the Holy Spirit. The good news is that we can experience his activity, his moving, and his working in our lives. Last week, we started with this question, who is the Holy Spirit? And Rick did a great job, again, of kicking it off through the lens of Jesus. But today, what I want to do is I want us to look at Scripture, and I want us to see the very first time we learn about the Spirit of God. And it may surprise you, the first time we learn about the Holy Spirit, it's not in the New Testament. The first time we learn about the Holy Spirit, it's not in the words of Jesus. The first time we learn about the Holy Spirit, it's not in the the early life of, of the church the Holy Spirit is in all those places, and we're going to see the Holy Spirit in all those places throughout this summer. But the very first time we learn about the Holy Spirit is in the, the very first book of the Bible, and the very first chapter, in the very first two verses, you're going to see the Spirit of God. So if you have your Bibles, or if you have your Bible app, if you want to open that up, turn that on. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the very first book of the Bible, in the very first chapter, in the very first two verses, this is what we read in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, if you're anything like me, you've probably read this verse and heard this story like a million times. You know, what we do is we typically read verse 1, and then we skip down to the, to the fun stuff. Verse 1 is the, is the verse we all have memorized. In the beginning, say it with me, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that. We got that. That's the, the very first verse in the Bible. This is the, the origin story. This is the creation story. This is the beginning of how everything began. We know the story. We get the story. This is a story of the six days of creation. This is a story we teach our kids when they're little. It's a story where we marvel at the wisdom and the wonder of God and the created order of all things and how everything that came to be came to be. But here's what I want you to see today. The very first chapter in the very opening lines of the Hebrew scriptures in the very second verse, in fact, it's the 15th word in the Hebrew scriptures, we read this. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. You're only 15 words into the story of God when you encounter for the very first time the Spirit of God. Before we learn about God the Father, before we learn about God the Son, we learn about God the Spirit. And in the Hebrew language, in the original language, it's the words Ruach Elohim. Ruach is the word there translated here as spirit. It can also be translated as as wind or breath. This is the Spirit of God. You'll see it translated that way throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, the word Ruach. And then Elohim is the word for God. So you have Ruach, Elohim, Spirit God. Spirit God. The first time we learn about the Spirit, we learn about the Spirit of God. And it's our first encounter with God in Scripture. And what is he doing? 
What is Spirit God doing? What is the Spirit of God doing here in these opening lines? The Spirit of God is hovering over, moving over the darkness of deep waters. And I want us to pause here and just think through this for a minute because, man, I think this is, this is really fascinating. We typically, you know, read this and move on to the fun stuff of the six days of creation. But, but the way the story begins, the way the writer of Genesis tells the story is really important. When God begins, it says, in the beginning, God created. Or another way to read those words in the Hebrew language is when God began creating. Because before there was creation, there was God. And this is the part where our brains start to hurt, right? I mean, you're like getting a headache. Because before there was creation, there was God. God was. God has no beginning. God has no origin story. There was nothing before God. There will be nothing after God. It's just God. God has always been. God has never not been. There was God. God always is. God doesn't have a birthday. Last week, I had a birthday. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, you're looking older. I get it. God doesn't have a birthday. He has never not been. He never not was. That's terrible English, but you get the point. God has always been. And at some point, God, who has always been, began creating. And what he did is he began creating something out of nothing. And we can't do this. You know, right? I mean, we can create, but when we create, we create something out of something else. And I love this about us. I love this about creative people. I, I, I love this about artists and, and musicians. I love this about poets and authors. I love this about designers and creative people. When, when we create, we create something out of something else. And I think whenever we do create, I think it reveals part of the nature and the character and the image of God inside of us. And I would say, whenever you do any kind of creative work, you're not just making something beautiful. You're making something holy. Because you're revealing part of the nature and the character and the image of God that is inside each and every one of us. When we create, we participate in the creative work of God. And it's a beautiful thing, but this is not what God does. God, when God began creating, he didn't create something out of something else. He created something out of nothing else. There were no raw materials. He just began creating, and he did that through his spirit. Verse 2, the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2, the earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. That word hovering there. That's a word used to describe uh, an eagle fluttering over its young. You can see the, the Spirit of God hovering fluttering, moving, waiting, watching vigil, ready to participate in a creative work over what has already been created but not yet fully created. It's, it's formless, it's void, it's dark, it's empty. And the very first image we have of the Spirit of God, I think this is beautiful, the Spirit of God is creating. The Spirit of God is present over that which is formless and dark and empty and chaotic. There, there's no order yet, there's no form yet. There's nothing to inhabit what's been created. There's just this, this emptiness. And the Spirit of God is there. And the Spirit of God is creating. And I think this is of huge significance because the way the Hebrew Bible reads, the way the Scripture reads, the way your Old Testament reads, is that everything that was created was created through the Spirit of God. 
And it's not just me. You see this throughout the Hebrew Bible, but I want to just show you just two examples, just real quickly to make the point. In Psalm 33, 6, this is what the psalmist wrote. The psalmist said, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. Now you may say, I don't see, I don't see spirit there. I don't see the Holy Spirit there. Remember, the word for spirit is ruach. And it can be translated as, as wind or breath or spirit. And here the psalmist says that all the hosts, all the starry hosts, all the heavens were created how? By the breath, by the wind, by the spirit of his mouth. It was all created by the ruach of God, the spirit of God. The same idea is found in, in Job. Job is the oldest book in your Bible. So Job 26, 13, this is what Job says. His spirit made the heavens beautiful. Everything that was created was created by the Spirit of God. So here's the question I want to ask you today. What if the work of the Spirit of God in the beginning is also the work of the God in the present? What if the work of the Spirit of God in the beginning is also the work of the Spirit of God in the present? And what if the work of the Spirit before your life is also the work of the Spirit in your life? And here's why I ask this question. Because I think this is the question that every single person on planet Earth wants to know the answer to. Can God bring order to the brokenness and emptiness of my life? Can God bring form to the mess I've made of things? Can God bring light into my personal darkness? Does God work in my life? If God works in my life, how does God work in my life? Can God come into my life and fix what's broken, make right what's been made wrong, repair what's been damaged, rebuild what's been torn down? Can God do this? And here's what I believe is true. The same spirit that hovers over the chaos in the beginning is hovering over the chaos that is my life and that is your life. The same spirit that was present in the darkness of creation is present in your life and in my life. It's the same spirit. The work of the spirit isn't just to create. The work of the spirit of God is to recreate. The work of the spirit isn't just to form. This work of the spirit is to reform. It's not just to make, it's to remake. This is what the spirit of God does. And when you fast forward to the New Testament, this is how the writers of the New Testament understood the work of the spirit. Let me, again, just give you two examples. Paul said this in Romans 8, verse 11. Paul, who wrote so much about what we know about the Spirit of God, wrote this in Romans 8, 11. If the Spirit of Him, get this, this is powerful words right here. If the Spirit of Him, of who? Of God. If the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will what? Will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? Through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is huge. 
If the Spirit of Him, if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that's what we believe happens when, when people like Kendall just walk through the waters of baptism. One of the things that we believe happens in those waters, when you step into those waters and you make that confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, is that as Jason said, you receive the gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if that Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And that's a promise, by the way, not just for our kids. And I love seeing our kids confess Jesus and be baptized into Jesus. That's a promise for every person in the room, no matter how old you are. That when you make that confession, when you walk through those waters, the Spirit of God will take up residence in you. We're going to talk about more of that, about that this summer. But don't ever forget that. Paul also said this, and I love this, in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He said, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is what? Who is the Spirit. This is the work of the Spirit of God in the beginning, and this is the work of the Spirit of God in the present, not just to form, but to transform, to make things right and to make things new. The God who formed you wants to transform you, to bring order to your chaos, to mend the brokenness, to make right what's gone wrong, to make and to remake you. Because we all know this. I've sinned. You've sinned. I already sinned this morning. I can tell you what happened. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have. But the God who made us and formed us in his image wants to come into our lives and transform us into the image of his son. And he does that through the person and the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. Some of you know my wife likes to watch the Hallmark Channel. No secret. Got a t-shirt to prove it. When we're not watching Hallmark at our house, we're watching HGTV. Um, this past week, uh, my wife, some of you saw on Facebook, Alicia got to go on a girl's trip with uh, some friends. And you could guess that the first stop uh, on that trip was down to Waco uh, to see, what do they call it? Magnolia Market, Silos. Some, you put those words in some order. And uh, there's Chip and Joanna there, too. And um, if you've ever watched their show, you know it's uh, one of these home makeover shows. And the deceptive thing about these home makeover shows when you watch them is that they take this dilapidated dump of a house and within like 30 minutes to an hour, they transform it into this beautiful oasis where anyone in their right mind would be crazy not to want to live. It's just amazing. And what happens is when you watch this show, you start thinking, oh, I could do that. Right? You ever done this? So back in February... Uh, Alicia and I decided, you know, it's time. We need to renovate our master bathroom. Um, and we, need, we wanted to do that not just because it needed updating, but we had some problems that had to be fixed, that had to be resolved. And so I did what anybody would do. I went and I got a quote, and they came back and told me what it would cost to, to repair and to fix and renovate our master bathroom. And I looked at the quote, and I know it was a fair quote, but you know what I thought? I could do this for a fraction of the cost. Somehow I convinced Alicia to let me try uh, thankfully, my dad does this kind of work for a living, so I wasn't operating with it. I had a net. I had a, had a backup plan. I had plan B on the hotline. I had speed dial tech support right there the whole time. 
And uh, he was gracious enough to come up and help me over a long weekend. But would you know, it took more than 30 minutes. (laughs) It took more than an hour. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen. I thought it would happen over the long weekend when my dad came to help me. It did not happen that quickly. It took me over two months, and I felt like that was fast. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of late nights, a lot of sweat, a lot of patience from my family, a lot, a lot of prayer. And finally, after two months, we, we got it. It, well, it works. <laughs> Here's what I think happens for us is I think we want change. I think we want to be transformed. But what we want is we want instant change. We want things to, to change overnight. We want things to change quickly. But spiritual transformation happens, the, the, often it happens the same way physical transformation happens. It doesn't happen in 30 minutes. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And we've talked about this before. Slow is fast. And that same principle applies here. The Spirit of God working in your life, it often works over time. The transformation that we read about and we speak of, when we speak about the Spirit of God working and transforming, it happens over time. If you read the creation story again, all the way down, you see that it took six days for God to create all that he created. Some people believe that's a literal six days. Some people think, oh, it took longer, but the six days is just imagery to kind of illustrate and organize how God created what he created. Either way, however you read the story, it took time for God to create what he created. It didn't happen in an instant. It took time. And the Spirit of God working in your life, transforming you, and you're ready to have change in your life that happens over time. The Spirit of God wants to come into your life and work in your life, but it's not going to happen in an instant. But here's the promise. The same God who was creating in the beginning wants to come upon your life in presence and power and wants to recreate you. The God who created you wants to continue his creative work in you by the power of his spirit. The God who formed you wants to transform you by the power of his spirit into the image of his son. But let me tell you, it takes time. But what would happen if you were willing to take the time to be spiritually transformed by the Spirit of God? What would stop you from being open to the Holy Spirit? Would you be willing to pray, Holy Spirit, maybe you've never prayed this way before, but would you be willing to pray this way, Holy Spirit, I want to open my life up to you to be formed and transformed, to be made and remade, for you to do your creative work that you've been doing since the beginning of time in my life to make me more and more like Jesus. The truth is we are all being shaped and formed by something. If you didn't know that, I want you to get that. We are all being shaped and formed by something. You get to choose what that is. What is it that is shaping and forming you? Is it the Spirit of God? If not, would you be willing to open up your life being changed and being formed and being transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. Church, if you would, let's let's stand together. What do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've never had a personal experience with the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe you don't know anyone who has had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know what's going to happen if you invite the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, into your life, and to, to do what only the Spirit of God can do in your heart and in your life. But what would happen if we did? What would happen to us as a church, as a collective, as a group of people, as a, as a family of followers of Jesus, if together we started praying this prayer individually and collectively? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. What if we took down the signs that said no unauthorized use of the Holy Spirit and we just invited the Spirit of God to come into this church, into our hearts, into our lives, to shape us and transform us, to move us and change us, to make us whoever he wants us to be into the image of Jesus? What would happen if we did that? I really believe the Spirit of God who was at work from the very beginning of time wants to come and be at work now in this place to renovate our hearts shape us to change us, to move us to make us, to transform us, to do his creative work inside of us to make us more like him. And this morning, I'm going to invite our, our shepherds and their wives to make their way around the room. And here's, here's what I honestly want to ask you to do. If up to this point in your life you've been following Jesus separate and apart from the Holy Spirit, you may need to confess that to someone. And these people, they're not perfect, but they would love nothing more than to pray with you and to hear you and to, to ask God to invite the Spirit of God to come into your heart and life and to do what only the Spirit of God can do in your heart and in your life. Or if you today, like, like Kendall did today, if you want to step into these waters of baptism and you want the Spirit of God to, to come into your heart and into your life for the very first time in a very new and a very fresh way, again, that's not just a decision for children. That's a decision for anyone in the room who up to this point in your life, you have not made that confession of faith that Jesus is Lord. And here's the promise. When you do, he will give you his Holy Spirit to help you. And that is a promise you can bank on. Whatever the case, wherever you are, this is my prayer for every one of us in the room this week. Would you pray? Would you ask the Spirit of God to come into your life and to transform you and to make you more and more into the image of his Son, Jesus? Let's sing.